Welcome to the Primary Source Podcast. My name is Tom Bober, a school librarian in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri. This podcast is here to explore the uses of primary sources in K-12 libraries and classrooms. We'll dig into resources and teaching strategies, talk to educators who are utilizing primary sources, and supporters of educators who curate these incredible items and use them in their work. I'm so excited as we're almost to our halfway point in the second season to have our first author that has been on the show for a second time for one of her nonfiction books that really digs in and utilizes primary sources in a really fun and interesting way. And that is Kirsten Larson. I was so excited when she first launched her most recent book, A True Wonder, The Comic Book Hero Who Changed Everything, which is a book about the origins and the evolution of Wonder Woman, who created her, how she was created, how she was, how she changed and and how that happened over time. When that book launched back in late September, she did an online event with the illustrator Katie Wu. And as they were both talking, Kirsten talked about the primary sources that she used. And immediately after having talked with her on the podcast already for her an earlier book, Woodwire Wings, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know, first of all, more about this book and how it was structured. So I had to wait till I could get my hands on it. And then I wanted to know how these primary sources came into play. So I was really excited when Kirsten said that she would come back on the Primary Source podcast and talk with us again. I am for the longest time, decades, an old comic book kid, I would in middle school and even at the beginning of high school go and ride my bike to the comic book store and grab the most recent issues. And while I didn't collect Wonder Woman, uh, the focus of this book, I did collect other superheroes or superhero teams, which Wonder Woman was a part of. And so this really hit home for me. I loved the idea of looking at the origin of a comic book character and the people that played such an important role in that comic book character kind of coming into being. So we're about a day late, I think, with this particular podcast going on, uh, going up, and I apologize for that. We're right after Thanksgiving, and I actually spent part of my Thanksgiving watching comic book movies, went to go see The Eternals, watched Hawkeye, which just came out. So looking at Marvel instead of DC, but still kind of in that comic book realm. And I, after seeing those, just kept thinking about Kirsten's book, thinking about Kirsten's book. And I thought, I've got to get this episode out. I've got to get this episode out so people can learn more about this book. And if you don't already have it, you've got to get your hands on it and read it. It is, especially if you or young readers in your life are comic book people or fans of Wonder Woman, either through the comics or the movies or wherever. This is just for me a fun book, Uh, not only within the content, but I really enjoyed Katie Wu's illustrations too. She did some kind of an homage in a sense back to some of the early color ink printing in some of her pictures. You can see with the dot kind of oversized pixels that show up and it just threw me right back to old again those comic books that I would pick up and look so carefully at and just read and enjoy. So enough about all of that. Let's jump into the interview with Kirsten Larson as she shares with us more about her book, A True Wonder, the comic book hero who changed everything.
I feel like this is a special day on the Primary Source podcast because this is the first time we have a person joining us for the second time for an interview, and I couldn't be more excited. Hopefully, you listened to the episode on the book Woodwire Wings with Kirsten Larson, and I am so excited to have her back to talk about her newest book, A True Wonder, the comic book hero that changed everything. Kirsten, thank you for coming back to the Primary Source Podcast. I had no idea this was such a momentous day. I am honored to be the first repeat guest. I know. It is kind of like I'm marking my calendar. I think it's important. I think it's really cool. <laughs> so let's jump right in and talk about A True Wonder. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Sure. Um, so this is a little bit of de a departure from Woodwire Wings for those who were uh, who read the first book, which was a STEM biography. Um, a True Wonder is essentially the origin story of the comic book character of Wonder Woman. So it's a biography of the character, how and why she was created, and how she evolved and changed with the times through the years and became an inspiration for so many people around the world. So I am an old comic book kid. I would go and ride my bike to the comic book shop and put them in the little plastic cases with the boards behind so they didn't get bent up, the whole thing. So when I saw this was coming out, I was so excited, but I didn't realize kind of the angle you were taking on this. And it just is such a really fascinating read about kind of the back end of the comic book world and specifically around the creation of Wonder Woman and her evolution. Can you tell us a little bit about your initial inspiration to write about Wonder Woman and that evolution and creation that we see in the story arc here? Sure. So, you know, there were a few different sparks. So really the first impetus was the 2017 Wonder Woman movie with Patty Jenkins. And I think what really struck me about that movie was the level of passion and excitement, especially among women of a certain age like me, right? I'm in my, you know, mid to late 40s, um, you know, who grew up with Linda Carter on TV. Um, and so a lot of us, that movie was an event movie, right? Even before a lot of the Avengers and Star Wars and all that. I mean, we really wanted to watch that movie with our friends and our moms and our sisters. And I think I was just really struck by how that movie and that, that comic book character was such a communal experience and how many people Wonder Woman resonated with. Um, so that was kind of the first um, story spark. And then connected to that, because there was so much um, promotion around the movie, um, I learned about Dr. Jill Lepore's book, The Secret History of Wonder Woman, which actually came out in 2014. But with the movie, there was kind of a lot of publicity around her history of the creation and development of Wonder Woman. And she had actually convinced the family of William Moulton Marston to donate um, his papers to Harvard Library. And so they got that gift of papers, I think, um, in the fall of 2017. And so when I read about that, I thought, oh, 
they're our primary sources, right? So as a, as a writer, I always need secondary sources for context and background, and then I need primary sources, especially for voice and emotion and that sort of thing. So that was kind of my second trigger. And then of course, um, as people who read the back matter will learn, I'm a longtime Wonder Woman fan. And there's a picture in the back matter of my sister and I in our underoos in uh, 1981 with our paper tiaras and our paper, um, you know, bracelets. And, you know, that was something that my sister and I did growing up was we would watch Linda Carter on TV and we would play Wonder Woman. So I really, uh, this story really connected to my heart and something that I remember from childhood. I love this personal connection that gets you into the story. And you're so right about the, the Wonder Woman movie, the 2017 movie. My daughters have... That that's one thing that we do together is we go see superhero movies. It's something and watch some superhero TV shows. And it's but that movie, um, which my wife also decided to come to, was it, it was special in a way. They felt differently about it, and I, I think that energy that that you felt and you saw around you, I I, I think it must have been everywhere. And um, how cool then to tie that back to to. Um, to yourself as a child too. And it probably wasn't something you thought about all the time, like, oh, I remember watching the Linda Carter Wonder Woman show. But when that movie came out, boy, it, it probably brought it all back. Um, I don't know if I would be thanking my uh, parent or whoever took that picture of you that ended up in the back matter. But <laughs> that now, was my mom, yeah, that was but, my mom. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it ended up coming in handy. So it's, it's all a win. So tell us more about these, the, you mentioned a little bit about, kind of hinted at some of these primary sources. I love the idea that, that we bring primary sources into our research for voice and emotion. Um, talk to me a little bit, if you could, about other primary sources that you came across in your research. Sure. So th this book was really shaped, there, there was a lot of primary there were a lot of primary sources available. Um, so I'll just, I'll highlight a few and we can talk about them. Um, you know, one piece I really f felt honored to be a part of um, was for many years in the 40s, Wonder Woman was co-written under the pen name Charles Moulton by a, wo a woman named Joy Hummel. And she was 19 when she started and she co-wrote, I'm trying, I, maybe 40 issues. I'm trying to remember exactly how many um, issues. But I tried to track down an address for her, which I did. I wrote her a letter on paper and gave her my email address and was thrilled when she emailed me back and said, sure, I would love to be interviewed by you. So you know, interviews are a primary source and we got to talk about her recollections of working on Wonder Woman and where she got her inspiration and how she did her research. And um, so I really got a window into what it was like to work on um, the publication. Now she has donated a lot of her materials to the Smithsonian, um, to the Dibner Library. I believe is the exact repository, uh, but it was really cool to be able to speak to her firsthand um, and just, you know, walk through that period in time with her. That seems invaluable because it is truly the behind the scenes. I mean, the the papers are are one piece of evidence, but 
she has the whole scope of of what that was like, which I think is amazing. Um, right. it, oh, I was going to say, so aside from that, right, I, I did have um, through various, you know, through the Smithsonian, through some things I got from the Library of Congress um, and various repositories, you know, I got, I could see actual scripts of, so I could look at the scripts. I had the original comics, so you could look at comments on the script and how things played out in the comics themselves. Um, and so that was, you know, that's another, we don't always think of comic books or art itself as a primary source, but they in themselves are a primary source that I could, I could study and I could see how history was kind of reflected through Wonder Woman through the years. I think, and, and this really goes into, I, in fact, I'm going to ask it because I almost want to answer this question because it comes, <laughs> it comes across so clearly in the book. But so when you, when you have access to, to this, to your interview with, with Joy Hummel and, and these, these, comics and scripts and other papers that you were able to, to access, how for you did these help to impact and, and shape the story that we see in the book today? Yeah, so I think, you know, we're, we're always trying, you know, in any biography, even if it's just about the creation of a comic book character, right? So this is kind of a biography of the character of Wonder Woman. We have to find the, the arc, you know, what's the beginning point? How does that person or that comic book character change and what's the ending point? Um, and so for me, it was really about trying to find over a really long period of time, 80, you know, 80 years now, um, you know, not only how, how and why was she created, but what were kind of the successes and failures along the way and how has she changed from who she was originally? And that's where reading the comics and the scripts and talking to Joy Hummel um, really helped. And, and one thing that I found so fascinating was the character of Wonder Woman closely um, tracked what was happening with women in America. So she was created in the, in the 40s, a time when a, it was World War II. Men were deployed overseas to fight the war. And women were going to work in factories, right? This is the rise of Rosie the Riveter. And so women, a lot of women for the first time were going to work. Um, and so, you know, we had at that period of time a really um, active Wonder Woman. And there were some really cool inserts about real live women of history. So there were true stories inserted in the comic of people like Florence Nightingale or Eleanor Roosevelt, and they were told in kind of graphic novel format. And then what happens is, as you read the comics through the 50s, women are essentially asked like, okay, you know, the men are back from the war and it's time for you to go back home and be a homemaker and a mother to your children. And so you see those changes reflected um, in the comic books and what's emphasized. And so you see um, much more, many more tales of romance, um, the Wonder Woman of history inserts disappears and you see inserts dedicated to like dating and marriage and 
things that America found much more acceptable for women in the 50s. Um, so one thing was that, you know, and then again, you kind of get to an all is lost moment just before the women's rights movement, where the comic book creators, you know, take away Wonder Woman's superpowers and her costume that we all know, you know, her, her suit. And she's kind of put in this pantsuit, um, kind of like a spy or a Charlie's angel. And that was kind of like the, that was the low point. And that, that is what really spurred women to take over, um, and advocate for the character. So you had people like Gloria Steinem and Joanne Edgar who founded Ms. Magazine and they had been avid comic book readers of Wonder Woman as kids and they had said, <clears throat> excuse me, they were like, this is not acceptable. I think that this uh, this was almost like a, a awesome comic book history for me because I mentioned I was a comic book kid, but I'm growing up and reading comic books in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, maybe. And Wonder Woman certainly had a role. Um, usually I was reading her as like a Justice League character or something like that. But all of this element, I certainly was aware and had watched the TV show way back in the day um, with Linda Carter. But all of this element, all these elements were were new to me. And what an incredible way, as, as you're kind of pointing out, that these comic books are really not only a primary source for the evolution of Wonder Woman, they're, they're in some ways a primary source for the culture of, of the moment and, and a way to, to interpret that culture by seeing what is being done with this character. I, I think it was incredible. I've got to share... if. If you'll indulge me, I had actually, I have actually run across those real live women in history uh, mm. pieces. I was doing when I was at the Library of Congress. I did a little bit of kind of uh, research just for fun for myself, and I was curious about where George Washington showed up in comic books. And so I was pulling up, uh, you know, all kinds of examples, but I happened to have a couple of, um, I, they must have been Wonder Woman comics, but they were showing up these real live women in history. And, and the, the, and I know you know this, but I'm saying this for the listener, these, the ones that I saw were not just um, a, a page spread or so about a particular woman. Like Wonder Woman was actually part of, like she was visually part of what they would you would see on the page. So there was this, this association between the character and this historical figure also, which I thought was kind of a fascinating way to um, bring the awareness of these historical figures to really young readers. Which, you know, and it kind of links back to, you know, of course, one of my big interests is graphic nonfiction, you know, pic picture books in a sense, you know, it's the marriage of visual storytelling and storytelling with words, just like comic books do. And in this, A True Wonder in particular um, is told in like a kind of a comic book format with panels and um, word bubbles and all sorts of things. But of course, right now, Non graphic nonfiction for middle grade and chapter books like Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales are immensely popular. Um, and so it's just fascinating to me, you know, that we're telling true stories now in kind of comic book, book format. But Wonder Woman was doing this in the 40s, which I think is just so cool. There was another kind of flashback deja vu moment I was having when I was reading this too, where you reference at towards the 
beginning of the book, uh, specifically around Bill Marston, around um, the, the, the general feeling at the time in the U.S. that um, kids were into comic books in an immense way, but there was this uh, adult kind of pushback on that, that they were kind of um, not true literature. And so, and, and I think it, 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 it almost read as if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that Bill Marston was um, actually working for, there was like a, an agency that was meant to make sure that, that the comic books that were being published were acceptable and, and appropriate because there was, if you also look back at this time period, a lot of stuff that was um, a little dark, a little ghoulish, maybe mm. a little gory, that type of thing coming up in comic books. So he came through, that was kind of, seemed to be his initial connection. Yeah, he was he was a, basically a consultant for the comics, and part of his job was to you know read them and see if they were appropriate. And later, that role on the Wonder Woman comic was taken over by um, a Dr. Loretta Bender, um, and I went to go see her archives at Brooklyn College. But she was uh, later she that was kind of a job that she had was um, providing input to the comics. But yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing that I found fascinating about comics book history, because, of course, there are adults today who push back on comics and graphic novels and whether they're appropriate reading or whether children should be reading, quote unquote, real books. Um, and it was fascinating to me to find out that this has always always been an issue from the very beginning and it wasn't it it of course a lot of it had to do with the subject matter which some parents thought was you know too violent or too bloody or whatever but it also had to do with you know <laughs> reading some of these magazine articles the parents would say like no they should be re reading real literature right they really wanted them to read the classics and not these comic books so i just you know i found it fascinating that we're making, you know, a lot of people are making the same arguments 80 years later <laughs> that, yep. were, that really helped Wonder Woman get created because his whole thing was kids are going to read this anyway. So how can we give them something good to read? And that was really the genesis for Wonder Woman. And I think in some ways it's really part of the genesis of um, graphic nonfiction today. You know, if kids are going to read comic books anyway, like let's give them some really cool true stories, some bits of history to read, you know, why, and science, you know, why not? Absolutely. Um, let me, let me end with this question. I I'm, have been asking this lately in a couple of other interviews and I've always gotten interesting answers. You may have already referenced it. So if so, feel free to bring it back up. But I'm wondering if there was a primary source that surprised you when you came across it? Maybe it was unexpected. Maybe it just changed the way you were thinking about the story as you researched it. Was there anything that kind of shifted your thinking or, or was um, a big wow to you? Well, I think for me, really going back to that whole idea of those Wonder Woman in history inserts, you know, the, the takeaway of this whole book is in, you know, I want to encourage kids to be the, the heroes of their own stories and to think about what their contribution will be. You know, find your superpower, whether it's as a judge or an astronaut or a basketball player, and figure out how you can use that to change the world. And that's what comes out on that final spread. So I think, you know, really the journey of looking through those um, 
Wonder Woman of history and seeing all those different women who had made contributions in different ways and starting, you know, and really starting to think of them as superheroes in a way, I think really helped contribute to that final takeaway of encouraging all kids to figure out, you know, what's your superpower and how are you going to be a superhero? It certainly comes across in the book. You certainly get an opportunity, have taken the opportunity through here to highlight women who influenced this, the, the Wonder Woman comic, the Wonder Woman character over time. And I think that it is really, a, um, really is a great read. I'm gonna go back to something that you just said and, and just, you mentioned, uh, how can we give them, them being kids, something good to read? Kirsten, you gave kids something great to read here with A True Wonder, the comic book hero who changed everything. And I wanna thank you so much for taking a second uh, time with us on the Primary Source podcast and sharing some of the behind the scenes. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, my pleasure. Mm -hmm.